Welcome back to another episode of the Mix Witches Podcast. We are closing in on the ed- end of February right now. And I'm kind of excited for that. Don't know why. Maybe it's just because I was like, <laughs> yes, yes, spring cleaning. Oh. I've been ex- I've been doing that all winter. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's definitely spring getting rid of being I've definitely done the cleaning, but everything is still here. (laughs) I have not done the cleaning. I have plans to do, like, a full, deep condition of this small apartment. For sure. That I have not wanted to do until then. Anyway. (laughs) I just had a moment of, like, man, it feels like it was just December, though. No, seriously. Honestly. Where did the time go? Fucking it hid and disappeared. I know some people have said, like, man, 2020 has felt like a whole, like, has felt like one whole month. And I'm just like, I don't know. It flew by for me. Yeah. It feels like I blinked and it was three months. Blink. Another three months. You're just like, oh. Oh, fuck. (laughs) No, yeah, I feel that, too. We, We had, like, a lot going on in 2020, though. Yeah, we did. Like, both of us. But I've also said, like, all the catastrophe that has happened around the world has been one thing. But my personal life has been the same. Yeah. So it feels like it just, like, blinked and it's just gone by. (laughs) Yeah. Very disconcerting, to be honest. Seriously. Like, time just flowing the way that time does. (sighs) Makes me feel sad when, like, have you gotten anything done? No? I mean, kind of. You made steps. You made progress. I learned how to knit. (laughs) I feel like we're always making steps, but just sometimes it feels like... We should already be there. Yeah, or like, it feels like you, like, it's like you blink and February's almost over and it's like, fuck, what did I do all month? Yeah. That's how it feels. Like, I know I've done stuff and I've made progress, but it just doesn't feel like it because it just feels like the month is just gone. Yeah, it doesn't feel like enough progress, even though it's, like, a significant amount of progress for what you're doing. Yeah. I feel. For sure, for sure. For for sure, for sure. (laughs) Honestly, the other day, I considered turning um, my uh, Jane manuscript into a screenplay to see if that helps me figure out the kinks, you know? I wish I had that, um... I have a book on how to Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember you had that. I remember it. <laughs> yeah. I could send you the, the tips and tricks that are in it. Yeah. I don't, like, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with her because I know I need to do something with her. And I've decided not to rewrite the story. Mm-hmm. I'm going to 
that's going to be a whole different thing. The one that I decided was going to be the rewrite. It's going to be a whole, whole different aspect. So now I got to figure out what that's going to be. Speaking of progress, I had just had the thought is like, you know, a lot of progress doesn't always have to be external. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just sitting here thinking basically what I've been doing since the first of January was a lot of like inner child work. And I know that's inner, but a lot of that stuff has been like stuff you can't see. Yeah. Cause it's- you, you thinking, you saying writing made me think there was a lot of stuff. Like I've been actively setting stuff aside to test myself of like, do you actually like that thing? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of YouTubers that I'm like, okay, I'm actively going to not watch this YouTuber and see if, like, do you even miss them? Yeah. Do remember them after that? Or I've been doing that, a lot of that. So I haven't written in a while, but that's kind of been on purpose. Being like, do you even, do you even like this do you anymore? Even enjoy, do you even enjoy <laughs> writing, or was it, like, an escape method when we were kids? Oh, it was definitely that. But it was fun. Yeah. It was that, def- sounds, that sounds dramatic. Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it. It was definitely an escape method, but, like, it just never stopped for me. I mean, but you, I mean, but that's fine. Like, you, you enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of, like, that's kind of what I mean is, like, sometimes you did it just because you needed to for that time in your life, and now you don't need to do it anymore, even if you did enjoy it. Right. Think, yeah, that's what I've been testing, basically. Yeah, I think we're... My habits and things. We're talking about the same thing, just in different words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but, but yeah, I've been... I just mean... I was using writing as an example because you were talking about writing. But yeah, I've been yeah, doing yeah. that with, like, everything. Yeah. Speaking of spring cleaning, I've been doing that with my stuff, too. I, like, reread all of the books that I have on deck. Mm-hmm. Being like, what do you, do you even need this book anymore? Yeah. Why do you have this? But I kind of feel like progress is not always external. A lot of that is stuff that's not seen. Or but stuff that if somebody was watching you, they would think you weren't making any progress, but you are. Yeah, but it's still significant progress. Just in case anyone needs to hear that today. <laughs> <laughs> you go first today while, mm. I, while I sit back and knit. <laughs> and knit. Yup. I used to crochet when I was a kid. I stopped doing that because I wasn't very good at it. Yeah. That I'll admit. <laughs> yeah. I started to just get frustrated. It's that kind of frustration being like, I'm not getting better at this. So I just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I did. I had a whole bunch of, I used to make like, um, cause in third grade, remember like, well, I might, I want to say remember, but it's like, I remember doing it. Yeah. Everyone's different experience, but doing the whole like loom thing. Oh yeah. Jacob used to do that when I was a kid. I love doing that. Maybe I'll pick that up again. I loved doing that. And our teacher made us, like, make our own. It was a piece of cardboard and then Oh, that's cool. Yeah, she had us, like, make a you know, DIY version, which is very handy because it means I could do it now. All I need is a piece of cardboard. Yeah. You can find cardboard anywhere. No, seriously. Got a whole storage of it. <laughs> <laughs> my, I had made one for my mom. The one that I made, I gave to my mom and she kept it. She's put her little Indian doll on top. Huh. Yeah, it was, yeah. She had it forever. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about today? Uh, I thought I'd close out February being Black History Month to talk about somebody black. Mixed race, but black. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
like us. Like us. I mean, you're not black, but like yeah. us. <laughs> I only got like six percent. Okay. You're 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 Cuban. I am. I um. am the black. <laughs> uh, Marie Laveau. Continuing on from your what you were already doing because you were already talking about voodoo saints and black saints and Santeria. So let me continue. So I got all this information from ghost tour go, mm, ghost tours no <laughs> ghostcitytours.com, uh, womenhistoryblog.com, and 64parishes.org. I tried to find like oh and Wikipedia, but I tried to find like multiple sources. Because a lot of the stuff about her is um, sketchy. We don't fucking know. It's like hearsay. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly just oral speak, word of mouth type legend stuff. So I kind of like cross-checked. Because you know you have that one outlier sentence when you're looking up stuff for people or for gods. And you're just like, that doesn't feel true. This what? is the only time I've ever seen that sentence. So I'm going to... I'm going to say that ain't it. Honestly. So let me preface all this by saying, because of course I'm going to assume most of people are going to know who Marie Laveau is, because especially if you're an American, because she is sort of one of those American-ness. We don't have many. Well, actually, I feel like we have a lot. Yeah. But we're not ancient, so they're not talked about. Yeah, we're only 200 years old, just over. Yeah. So... So I'll preface by saying, for anyone who doesn't know, I have done, and I was going to do, let me, also, let me also preface, I intend to do an episode on this, but the practice of voodoo, voodoo, which is a derivative, that's, sure, we'll use that word. That's not the word I was thinking, but we'll use that word. It is not voodoo, but they are like cousins. Right. So both voodoo and hoodoo, many Native American practices, like things you can practice in Hawaii or uh, Eskimo-type practices, that also don't get talked about but are very interesting. I think we should do that more. Yes. <laughs> and many other practices are considered closed practices or closed religions by the people who practice them. I say that sentence because... I don't see people say it that way. It's one thing to say something is a closed practice or a closed religion, but I think it's important to preface that the people saying that are normally the people who do it. As in, those people feel the need to close whatever practices or religions, normally because they have been stolen from and the comfort of invitation is now lost, which is their right. Do with that information what you will, but it is their right. Closed means that in order for an individual to practice the rituals and rites specific to that religion or what have you, one needs to either be born into that ancestry. And I say born of that ancestry because we live in such a vast world that you may not even know you could practice that because you may not know what you are. And then 20 years later, you're like, oh, wait, I am that race. I just <laughs> didn't shit. know. Or you can be invited by the people themselves, which actually 
actually happens a lot, and in fact, happens a little bit to Miss Marie Laveau herself. But normally that does mean that sort of ancient storytelling that we have of, you know, some old guru taking you under their wing and teaching you. In fact, there are many things that are not religious that are like that. For some reason, the uh, instrument making popped in my head. That's one of those things that is um, an apprenticeship. Right. You get tutored by somebody, you know. You don't just, I mean, I suppose you could do it, but it's not really one of those things you just do. You find someone who can do it, and they teach you. <laughs> it's sort of similar. So, that being said, I am under the impression now, after these few months of practicing, that this should just be handled with care and respect. I don't know you, so do what you will. But that's why I preface to say, it's mostly the people who practice them that are saying that they're closed, and that is mostly coming from a sense of pain. Um... If this is a problem for you, then that has to do with your ego and inner child, and not with me. I'm just here to give you the information. I mean it with a sense of love. I just want everyone to be respected. Right. Okay. Because these people are saying it because they don't feel respected. And that's the problem. <laughs> they are They. They are. I feel like it's important. To, I'm, I'm saying this before I get into anything because voodoo is one of those things that's like, ooh, voodoo. Depending on how you grew up, you either hate the sound of voodoo because it's spooky, or you're like, ooh, voodoo, but you gotta be careful. Also, you just gotta be careful. Voodoo is one of those things you gotta be careful of. <laughs> it is not scary, but it is definitely testy. Ow. Don't hurt yourself. I hit my elbow on the edge of the table. It's the knitting. It's dangerous. It, it was. I was pull, <laughs> I was pulling string out of the yarn ball. <laughs> so. Although there is plenty of information about Marie Laveau in the legends and lore of New Orleans, separating the fact from the fiction is a challenge. Nearly everything that is known about her originates in the secretive oral tradition of the practitioners of voodoo. And most of it has been embellished and made grandiose and big. She was already grandiose and big, so... I mean, people just went left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hyperbole became so, a huge thing with her. They literally, like... Made a mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> but in good in a good way. Yeah. But it does mean that it makes it really hard because she was a real person, so it makes it very hard to see what actually happened and what didn't happen. So what we know is that see, even the year she was born is under contingency, but basically we've all it has been agreed upon that she was born in 1801 there's some stipulation the word I want? yeah that it was 1794 or so but 1801 based off of math i think it's been deducted to be 1801 <laughs> deduced but it's never been recorded it has not been recorded right so right because her she was born you're probably going to talk about it 
Ignore me. <laughs> so she was born to a freed slave woman named Marguerite Darkentrell and a wealthy mulatto businessman named Charles Laveau in the French Quarter of New Orleans. If you are from New Orleans, I'm sorry if you do not appreciate me saying New Orleans, how I say it, but <laughs> you have to get over it. <laughs> Marguerite gave birth to Marie at her mother's house, who was known as Miss Catherine. And then she returned to her relationship, leaving her baby girl with her mother. Miss Marguerite had many gentlemen callers. So Charles just happened to be the father of this baby. Mm. I say this baby. I actually didn't do any research if there's any other babies. But <laughs> I do know Miss Marguerite had many a, many a man in her. Marie Laveau was the first to be born free in her family. It is said that Marie's great-grandmother came to New Orleans as a slave from West Africa in the mid-1700s. And Marie's grandmother, Catherine, was purchased by a free woman of color. Oh. Marie also purchased a few people herself later in her life. I don't know what she did with those people. Catherine was eventually able to buy her freedom and build her small home in the French Quarter where Marie Laveau would live and subsequently become the legendary voodoo queen of America. She also, well, her lover, her future lover, actually owned that property so they could continue to live there after, after Miss Catherine, after, <laughs> after Miss Catherine died. So, they really did live in that one spot forever. Marie was described as tall, beautiful, and statuesque, with curly black hair, golden skin, and good features, which those of us who are of a mixed variety know that means you just look more white than you do ethnic. What good features mean. Although in her pictures, the ones that are the artwork that are drawn of that look actually pretty. <laughs> I feel like it's a bit of that Cleopatra situation where it's like, were they actually pretty? Everyone's described as pretty, but were they? Yeah. She did look actually generally attractive for the 1800s. So good for her. Mm -hmm. Also, her daughters look just like her. She just had herself. <laughs> <laughs> she was cloning herself. She literally just had herself. Mm -hmm. So, on August 4th, 1819, a young Marie Laveau married Jacques Marie, a free person of color from Haiti, at St. Louis Cathedral. Her father, who never married her mother, but signed the documents declaring to be Marie's father, stood at her wedding and signed the marriage contract on her behalf on July 27th, 1819. Her wedding gift from her father was property that he owned on Love Street, which is now called North Rampart. Don't come for me, people who live in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> but documents show that 
By 1822, Marie and Jacques were living on Dauphine Street between Dumaine and St. Philip. And the city directory lists Jacques as a cabinet maker. So as far as documentation goes, that is what we know. What we know. Most people, that is what we, that is what, that is what is on document in New Orleans. <laughs> Most Richard, the, hmm. Most researchers say that Marie and Jacques did not have any children. However, baptismal records from St. Louis Cathedral show entries of two daughters. Marie-Angélie Paris, baptized in 1823, and Felicite Paris, baptized in 1824, are both listed as daughters of Marie Laveau and Jacques Paris. Felicite Records state that she was seven years old at the time of her baptism, which would mean that she was born in 1817, which would be two years before Marie and Jacques got married. But unfortunately, the records of Marie, Anjali, and Felicite stopped there. It is said that they disappeared, mm. or that maybe they died from hay fever, but they don't, they just... They're gone. <laughs> gone from the record. They're just gone. They're just gone. I say, the mysteries that surround Marie Laveau started early in her life, and the disappearance of her first two daughters is similar to the disappearance of Jacques Marie. There is no documentation of his death, although the baptismal record of Felicite declared him to be deceased. What we do know is that for certain... Marie called herself the Widow Paris for the remaining years of her life, which was the custom of a widow. So she considered herself a widow. There is a bit of contingency on whether or not he died or whether or not he left her. Mm. And she just called herself a widow. That was easier. As you, it know, might be. <laughs> it, you know, this is kind of morbid, but you know, he left her like... How do I say this without coming off as a psycho? I feel like I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> like, he decided to leave her, but she decided to become a widow. Right. <laughs> so, where he, he left, said, she I'm was gonna the leave, ground. And she said, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are into the ground. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind me. We don't have any record of that, so, (laughs) (laughs) In around 1826, Marie found love again with Louis-Christophe Dumensnil. I don't speak French. I'm sorry. (laughs) De Glapion. I'm also, not, just notice Christophe Glapion. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. <laughs> the funny thing is, you took you 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 know more French than I do. Yeah. <laughs> it is just too much. I spent more time learning Italian. Okay, mm-hmm. French was just not it for me. <laughs> so, Glapion came from a prominent New Orleans family. He was 
a wealthy white gentleman that would spend his last 30 years in a common law marriage with Marie Laveau. Interracial couples were common in New Orleans, but forbidden to marry, forbidden to marry by law. The reason we have black history. That didn't happen until the 60s. <laughs> Literally over 100 years later. Fucking wild. Seriously. You would think, I'm going to just sidebar, you would think maybe because she get a little bit of wiggle room for being mixed. Nah, fam. No. She got a little bit of white. Can she just marry the white man? No. I'd fight a politician. It's like, anyway. You're <laughs> mulatto. You're mulatto. You've uh, already got too much in you. It's like, uh, I know. Like, I literally, I would throw down. <laughs> you know, you can't marry this white man. I'd be like, what? Hello? Anyway. So, Catherine, Marie's grandmother, you'll remember, mm-hmm. passed away in 1831. A creditor surfaced and claimed that Catherine was indebted her home in an additional lump sum. So her cottage that Marie had grown up in was put up for auction. But Glapion came to the rescue and purchased her childhood home. It's very sweet of him. Though it says the Creole cottage of St. Anne would continue to be the home of Marie Laveau, Chris, Christophe Glapion, and their family until the end of the 18th century. I think that some of these websites said what happened to that house afterwards, but um, I don't remember. <laughs> I just realized how old this woman would have been if she was born in 1801 at the end uh-huh. of the 18th century. Yeah. Don't worry, we'll get there. Old bitch. <laughs> old bitch. Excuse me. Lovingly. Old, <laughs> lovingly, respectfully, an old bitch. Like, literally, she just, she said, uh, I don't know about the rest of y'all out here in the 1800s, but I'm not dying young. She said dying? It's not for me. <laughs> no, literally. So, speaking of dying... <laughs> Christophe Glapion died in June of 1855 after being Marie Laveau's common-law husband and devoted father to their children for almost 30 years. There is no evidence of Marie ever taking up with another man after Glapion's death. In fact, it's a bit of a contingency. I don't remember if she said this or if people are saying this, but there is some idea that she felt like, you know, that was it. This is my, this was my person. Now yeah. I, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> that was the one. Yep. He was, it was him. I don't need no one else. I already had him. 30 years. Mm-hmm. Damn, 30 years. Some people can't even do that today. Honestly. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there are stories out there that St. Marie started having babies with Lepion immediately and that they had 15 children over the course of 20 years. Excuse the fuck out of me, but what? (laughs) However, what... (laughs) (laughs) However, what is actually recorded is that they had seven children from 1827 to 1839. Y'all just wanted to say that she had 15 children because... A lot of people pray to her for love. 
Like, af- no. It- and motherhood. <laughs> if you want that, you go to Aphrodite. She's the one who has um, half a million children. No. <laughs> Seriously. Seven is still substantial, to- but... That is what you prayed a mother guy for. Mother Earth. You literally... She, she's the mother of us all. She's had seven billion children. Yeah. And more than that, because that's just what's living right now. Yeah. <laughs> and counting. And counting. <laughs> so, three of these children died in infancy. Oh. Which is a bummer. That's unfortunate. And she already had two die. Yeah. As we, as far as we know. They just disappeared. But... <laughs> so... Marie Philomene, or Philomen Lapion, was born a free quadroon. Don't know what that means. I was about to say, what the the fuck is that? (laughs) But she was born in 1836, and she lived to, she was the longest living of the children. She would eventually be who many assumed to be the infamous Marie II, although... There is a lot of dispute about that. Mm. She is also the reason a lot of people that the legend of Marie Laveau being immortal was a thing because she was also one of the daughters who looked exactly like Marie. So people assume that they may have done a little switcheroo and just acted like Marie never died. Oh. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll get to Marie the second because she was just as interesting as her mother. Mm. If it was even, if that was even her daughter, there is even some speculation that Marie the second wasn't even related to Marie Laveau. Yeah, that's a whole other basket of chicks, can of worms. Like, honestly. Also, fun fact: back in the day, if you notice, why are all these girls named Marie? Well, the tradition was that when you had a girl. Her first name was going to be Marie. You had a boy. His first name was going to be Joseph. And then you would just call them by their middle name. Weird and specific, but okay. I want to say Marie Laveau was a Roman Catholic, and she was a Roman Catholic her whole life. I want to say, I don't remember if that's a Catholic tradition that she just grew up doing, or if that was like a Creole tradition. Yeah. But it was a tradition at the time. I cannot remember one of the articles that I didn't write it down. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So mm. you notice all of her daughters were named Marie, except for Philosite. But Philosite was not hers, maybe. Maybe. So maybe that's why. Which there's a lot of <laughs> unsureness here. <laughs> if I could ask Miss Marie Laveau, I would have. <laughs> because she's a very interesting lady. So, nobody knows how Marie Laveau spent her days or her nights. <laughs> but the story that most poor guides tell is that she was a hairdresser to wealthy white women who felt comfortable confessing their darkest secrets and fears to Marie. Some part-time researchers think that Marie II was actually the one who was a hairdresser and that Marie Laveau herself was never a hairdresser. But we don't know. Literally, we don't know. 
<laughs> Unless you were Marie Laveau in a past life, you'll never know. Oh, man. Could you imagine finding out you were Marie Laveau in a past life? That'd be wild. would be crazy. I would actually fall out if I did some past life work and I found out I was somebody famous. Honestly, I was thinking that yesterday when I was walking through that uh, that old Japanese house, I was like, but what if I was somebody important? <laughs> I was like, what? Seriously. What if you were like some like concubine or an empress that nobody knows about or Bruh. famous whoever? Like, it's just crazy to think that. Bruh, like, what if you were a concubine in the past life and that's why you're like... Like, you advocate for sex workers' rights so much? I wouldn't be surprised if I was. <laughs> That'd be I'm wild. A sex worker in every life. Oh, my God. <laughs> that just seems like something I would do. <laughs> but, like, how crazy would it be if you found out you were Cleopatra? That'd be fucking wild, man. That'd be wild, bro. Like, what do you do with Anything. that information? But no, seriously, how do you even, like... How do you move on from that? <laughs> how do you not get an ego knowing that? Uh, honestly. Oh. <laughs> uh, the widow Paris, as she called herself, was much more likely to spend her days in service to others. Because Marie was a generous woman of devout Catholic faith and was known to use her means and magic to help those in. Marie attended Catholic Mass regularly. Her home was filled with images of saints, and she created a space that was protected and safe for all that lived with or visited her. She ministered to prisoners locked up in prison. I was going to say the name of the prison, but we're not going to. (laughs) But she would regularly visit prisoners and pray with them. She would offer guidance to redemption and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Marie Laveau was known as a woman filled with compassion and strong religious faith and a clear intention to help the people in her community. It is said that she combined voodoo beliefs and Catholic traditions, which is honestly how most things are done now. So we can thank Marie Laveau for the the mixing, mixing religion together. That sentence is not how I wanted that to go, but that's what (laughs) So, she would take traditions like holy water, their use of incense, because incense is everywhere. But it is also Christian. If you're a Christian listening to this, I need you to know that. In fact, I found one of the passages in the Bible when I was reading it that talked about incense specifically. Very interesting. She would also take statues of saints and she would use Christian prayers to help make voodoo and hoodoo more acceptable to upper-class New Orleans society. Her beliefs are said to include the recognition of spiritual forces, which can be kind or mischievous, that preside over daily life and intercede in the lives of their followers. Connection with these spirits can be achieved through dance, music, singing, and the use of snakes. Snake. Snake the snake imagery is the same as the number seven. I literally don't care what religion it is, what year it is, how ancient it is. 
you will not escape snakes. <laughs> I feel like everywhere I turn, there's snakes. Yeah. Or the number seven. Seven of something. All the time, sevens. Which makes me now sad that most people are afraid of snakes. Because they're absolutely spiritual beings. Nobody shuts up about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, show some snakes some respect, okay? That's my TED talk. snake love. Be nice to snake. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Marie Laveau quickly came to dominance as the voodoo queen of New Orleans, taking charge of the public voodoo rituals and ceremonies held at Congo Square, which is one of the few locations in rigidly segregated New Orleans where people of different races could mix freely. I don't know why they are specifically. I don't live in New Orleans. Um, but I'm sure they had a reason. I think <laughs> if I remember correctly, it had something to do with the fact that it was like the center of the city and was kind of like a market square. Because I, I, remember, yeah, I remember seeing it oh, too. I think I have that written down here. I remember reading them. Anyway. <laughs> she ran other operations at the Maison Blanc, the White House, which was not the capital. <laughs> Just before somebody goes, the White House, not Wrong. that one. <laughs> Different one. <laughs> the one in New Orleans, not the one in D.C. Which was built for secret voodoo meetings and liaisons between white men and black women. Sometimes, okay, this is another sidebar, but I love in history how we know this stuff, which means that you know they knew this stuff. But, like, why was it okay sometimes? Like, how was it illegal to co-mingle with the opposite race, but you all know we're doing it at the Maison Blanc? <laughs> like, you know what's happening, but it's illegal. Or, or also uh, because her second husband was a white businessman. Clearly, it was fine for them to have kids, but they couldn't get married. Like, they couldn't co-mingle, but they could be, like, common-law married. Right. They could have, like, seven kids, but... Questions. I have them. Anyway. Any fucking way. (laughs) (laughs) So, Laveau made a good income by selling Grigri. Which are specifically voodoo sachets, which is why I made that preface in the beginning because I don't need one of y'all saying, "What do you mean that we can't do that?" The thing is, you can't call it a gregory, but every religion has sachets if you practice witchcraft. That's fucking fine. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's one of the things I don't do. Make no sense. particular reason, just doesn't call to me. Mm. Yeah. All of the statutes I have sitting in my witchcraft are like, hello, we're lonely. Yeah, I feel that. Because <laughs> they're just sitting in there, but I don't use them for anything. But they're like, hello? Can, can we get some love? Please? No. Please? No. <laughs> I use them as the pouches they are. So, Abrigri is an amulet originating in Africa, which is believed to protect the rare, the rarer, yes, the wearer, that's a 
mouthful. <laughs> From evil or brings luck. She also used to sell charms. She used to sell magical powders. Powers? Ooh, magical powders. Let me slow down. Jesus. Magical powders guaranteed to cure ailments. She could also grant desires. Or she could destroy one's enemies, apparently. Hmm. She also told fortunes. She was a bit of an oracle. She gave advice on love and prepared custom grigri for anyone needing to affect a cure, charm, or hex. That's very nice of her. I feel like, though, you would probably, like, no, I mean, you probably went to her house to do that, but I feel like if she did that outside, you'd have to carry, like, around. Because <laughs> you don't know what people are going to ask you for. Yeah. Did she have, like, a, did she have, like, a trunk? wonder like a you know what like one of those cute little picnic baskets baskets or like a sewing kit oh yeah you know oh, that yeah. has, has like shelves and stuff in it but it's small enough to carry around mm-hmm. looking conspicuous mm-hmm. anyway probably um some scholars believe that Laveau's feared magical powers of divination were actually based on her network of informants, which she developed while working as a hairdresser in households of the prominent. Although, she also probably wasn't a hairdresser, so that can't go very far, because she may not have even done that job. (laughs) This said that as she visited her clients, who were mostly white, she listened closely to their gossip, which, same. She also appeared to excel at obtaining inside information on her wealthy patrons by instilling fear in their servants, whom she either paid or cured of mysterious ailment. Why does everybody have a mysterious ailment? That just clicked in my head. Like, why is everybody sick? (laughs) Y'all okay? I know it's the 1800s, but damn. Once the news of Laveau's powers had spread, she overthrew the other voodoo queens of Apparently. Allegedly. Allegedly. She acted as an oracle, which is a person who predicts the future. She conducted private rituals behind her cottage on St. Anne Street in the French Quarter. She apparently performed exorcisms and offered sacrifices to spirit. Mm. Allegedly. Allegedly. Oral tradition suggested that the occult part of her magic mixed Roman Catholic beliefs, including saints with African spirits and concepts. I find that interesting because in terms of voodoo, the former white men puts a lot of a demonic spin on it. I just find it very interesting that Marie Laveau is known to be a devout Catholic. Like, was until she died. Yeah. Attended mass every week. Very interesting, because that doesn't get talked about, I feel. No. All the voodoo does, but the fact that she was very religious was just not interesting. It's mysteriously forgotten every time. Well, it ain't mysterious. 
that's just snickering like a pair of fucking crows. <laughs> that's just over here just eh, eh, no. <laughs> Somebody's gonna come exercise us one day. <laughs> Fuck. Well, they would be in the right. <laughs> So, John Kendall, a local writer in the early 20th century and a self-professed expert on Marie Laveau. Sorry, I just giggled at that. <laughs> was an uppity white man, thinking he knows some shit. Can't. He wrote, After dark, you might see carriages roll up to Marie's door, and veiled ladies, elegantly attired, Descend and hurry in to buy what the old witch had for sale. An errant fraud, no doubt, but money poured into her lap down to the last day of her evil life. You know, Kendall was not a fan of Miss Lebeau. Clearly. I just got a little, like, chuffed up because it's like, just because she was a powerful woman, you want to put her down. Her evil life. Okay, bro. You scared Just because, ass. you know, she was a beautiful, mixed, black woman, and Mr. Kendall couldn't get none because Mr. Kristoff was better. <laughs> and he mad about it. Fucking chuffed up about it. Yeah. Bitter bitch. Anyway. Honestly. Perhaps he was one of many that thought voodoo was part of dark arts, which is unfortunate because the core value of New Orleans voodoo is protection. So that's definitely not, that's not it, bro. But <laughs> we ain't that's asking him what he thinks. Clearly, nobody needs to know what he thinks. So although a local newspaper once referred to her as the notorious hag who reigns over the ignorant and superstitious as the queen of the voodoos, she was... <laughs> <laughs> I typed that sentence and didn't laugh, but saying it just really hit home how... Dumb people are. <laughs> yeah. Why you gotta do? Why you gotta do all that? You don't got to do all that. Why you anyway, drag her name through the mud for no fucking reason. Anyway, for what? For what gain? I don't understand. Anyway, <laughs> she's trying to take care of her kids. Okay, she had seven. <laughs> God. She was also feared for her power, with numerous stories of what happened to anyone who offended her. Honestly, I kind of want that kind of clout. <laughs> Somebody like, don't cross her. You know what happened to the last dude? You know no, what, happened what happened to the last chick who, who offended her? You know what happened? I want that. <laughs> want to be that old hag in the woods? I do. Why well, I don't want to live in the woods. You know what? Live right in the middle of town. (laughs) (laughs) That way, every time somebody passes your house, they, like, skitter back onto the other side of the street. They're like, oh, fuck. They cross themselves and, like, stamp three times or something. Like, (laughs) And you're just sitting there, like, watching from the window, drinking your tea, and you're like, (laughs) I would. (laughs) So, at the same time, She healed the sick and was regarded by many admirers as a living saint due to her humanitarian work. Rich and poor sought the aid of her dark powers to control lovers, gain fame and fortune, 
become pregnant and exact revenge on others. Because sometimes a bitch be trying it. <laughs> and you gotta let that bitch know. <laughs> Not today. Not today, Satan. So, New Orleans voodoo was born of the influence of not only the African nations that were at the root of the religion, but also from the New World colonies that had brought in African slaves. We have to remember that in the 1700s, there were many enslaved in St. Dominique, Cuba, Brazil, as well as Louisiana. And it was the Haitian Revolution that began in 1791 that had the most significant influence in the creation of New Orleans voodoo. And it was the frightening stories of the revolution that heightened the fear of the religion in the white community. The Haitian Revolution began with a voodoo ceremony at Wakamon. I do not speak Creole either, so I apologize. A voodoo priest led the service, which included sacrificing a pig and a blood oath to overthrow the French. Just a few days later, rebel slaves began to burn the sugar plantations and kill the white population. They said, we're done. We're not doing anything. The New Orleans Spanish Judicial Archives has a 1773 documented case in which several slaves were tried for conspiring to kill their master and the slave overseer by means of Grigri. Grigri comes from African G-R-E-G-R-I-E-S bags. Because I don't know what African language that comes from, so I'm not even going to try. But they come from African-type bags that were filled with blessed objects or substances that were believed to have magical properties of protection or power. So then they got to voodoo. And now they're called Grigri. I, f I would like to find out what part of Africa these specific bags are from. Because there are many religions in Africa. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. You could just do a podcast on that. Honestly. You'd be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> so the slave owners were convinced that the practice would incite slave rebellion. Which, honestly, they were right. <laughs> I'm not... We are a witchcraft podcast. I'm not even saying it's evil, but I'm saying they were probably on the money. <laughs> it probably did because the slaves woke up and said, you know what? You know what? No more. You know what? You know what? It is likely that the influx of African and Haitian slaves coming into Louisiana and New Orleans began to blend practices. Some say that the elders passed down what they remembered and the young slaves began to incorporate all these practices into what is now New Orleans voodoo. The making and carrying of grigri bags was a huge part of the voodoo practice. And it is rather similar to the way Christians like to carry rosaries or pendants of saints or statues, candles protection superstition a little bit i'm i'm gonna i'm willingly gonna say that like paranoia yeah you can be paranoid and then you're like i need protection it's fine we all feel that way sometimes <laughs> being a being a woman and going to walmart at night oh honestly. my god <laughs> <laughs> i need some protection so praying to quote unquote lesser deities 
communing with Loa, spirit, and placing offerings at altars are common practices in many faiths. But these secret, quote-unquote, uncivilized practices generated pure fear in the white. They were not about it. And honestly, we didn't ask them. Mm. That was fine. <laughs> honestly, the slaves didn't care. So there's much speculation on how Marie Laveau rose to her throne as Queen. There is the theory that she trained under the guidance of just... Guys, <laughs> 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 I'm trying. S-A-N-I-T-E <laughs> with an asterisk. With an exclamation. No. With an accent. An exclamation. <laughs> an exclamation. Yeah. yeah, right over. In their name. <laughs> <laughs> a little hat. Yes. Or a little beret because those ones are sideways. Anyway. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, the speculation that she trained under that individual or an individual named Marie Salope or Salope. There's another theory that's more exciting, that she was a student of the infamous or famous Dr. John. I suppose we should also talk about one day. His voodoo. I just found it interesting. Before I say, since that one individual whose name I can't say, I don't know their gender, but there's one lady there, and there's a man here. A woman. Mm. Two women. Or a man. Oh, apparently she was infamously feared. Oh. Oh. Between 1803 and the, ni- in the 1920s. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. In the 1820s. Ooh. Oh, man. It's like, damn, that went far. <laughs> like, oh, man, she lived forever. <laughs> Fucking talking about an old bitch. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Respectfully. Respect. I don't need her coming in this room. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is all respectfully. We, we're not actually calling you them. Anyway. We're going to have dreams now. Oh, They're going to be like, what'd you say? I heard you talking shit. No, they are. They're, they're just going to be like, so you said some things. <laughs> respectfully, ma'am. <laughs> Two ladies or... Taught by a man. Honestly, it could be a mixture of all three. Mm. Why do you, you can you can be a student of more than one person? She could have practiced under all three. I don't know. We'll never know. Others rationalize that she would have been raised in a collaboration of Catholicism and Voodoo by her grandmother and mother, both of whom would have been practitioners with Catholic faith. There may even be some elements of truth. In every single theory. You're right. She lived a long life, you guys. Especially back then. So. Uh, no, seriously. She lived forever. People probably went, damn, she's still alive? That's why she. That's why they really think she was immortal. <laughs> people's, like, fucking fathers and mothers and grandparents and kids were all dying and she's still sitting here alive. <laughs> Seriously. So if you visit New Orleans and take a cemetery or a ghost tour, you will probably undoubtedly hear about 
Rayleigh's followers and her mysterious gatherings at Congo Square. In the 1800s, Code Noir granted Sundays and holidays to the New Orleans slaves. And they would spend their free time cultivating gardens, fishing, and other things that would give them goods to sell and trade. Many would have their Sunday worship at St. Augustine's Church and walk over to Congo Square with their goods to set up a market. And by the mid-1800s, Congo Square had become more than a market. It was more like a community center for New Orleans people of color. They would all get down at Congo Square. That way it's called Congo Square after the African country. Oh. It's kind of screwed up. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like the white people said, that's Congo Square. That's where the black people go. You're like, excuse me? Hello? Damn, why gotta be all that? No. <laughs> so Marie Laveau would attend the gatherings in Congo Square on Sundays and sell her Greek Greek ads, offering advice and service to her community and take part in the celebration. It is here that legends talk about her singing and performing her spiritual celebrations, conjuring the great serpent spirit, another snake, another serpent spirit, first of all. Right. There's one great serpent. (laughs) (laughs) In every religion has one serpent god. I sound angry. I'm not. It's just weird. (laughs) Collective unconsciousness. No, seriously, that one brain cell said snake. So, she would become filled with the spirit of the spirit. (laughs) Wearing her queen of voodoo crown proudly. Allegedly. Allegedly. The Congo Square celebrations were weekly. However, there was one night a year that was sacred to the Creoles who practiced voodoo. St. John's Eve. St. John's Eve, or the Eve of the Fest of St. John the Baptist is an ob- is an observance of the summer solstice, which we know as witches, and if you are Wiccan, which would be Midsummer. Specifically, Midsummer's Eve. But you know. You know. Which we were together for. Yeah. We didn't do much, but no. we were together for that. Summer. Summer. The day is acknowledged and celebrated among many cultures and religions, dating back to the Celtics, Druids, and European pagan rituals. As I said, if you follow the will of the year, you already know all about it. Even if you don't follow it, you probably know about it. Right. Because I don't necessarily actually follow the will of the year, but I do know about it. So they did St. John's. Eve. For the New Orleans voodoo community, it meant coming together for ritual bathing in sacred waters and communing around bonfires. If all that sounds on the money, because that's what we do. <laughs> Bonfire. Bonfire. Is it a celebration if there's not a big-ass fire? Hmm. As a fire sign, no. I'm going to say no. That's, what did I say earlier? Witches are real simple. All we want is fire and rocks. <laughs> and like the Sunday Congo Square celebration, St. John's Eve ceremonies were supposedly led by Marie Laveau. Which I assume that would have been like her job. You were the voodoo queen. 
So you can use your imagination and the images that have been planted in our minds by modern cinema, which I enjoy a good witch movie or voodoo movie or whatever, so I'm not even trying to bag on it, but I'm saying you know what it looks like. Hollywood tells us it was a lot of naked dancing and orgies around bonfires. You know, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe some people do that. I don't care. <laughs> Sometimes you want to get your titties out, and that's fine. Free the nipple, man. <laughs> it's midsummer. It's hot as hell. There's a bonfire. Thank God no fucking air conditioning. You want to do that when it's 100 degrees outside, but, you know, be naked. (laughs) (laughs) So, even the white journalists of the 19th century used the mysterious celebration to report the supposed, quote-unquote, savage and immoral acts. Whatever. A.K.A. enjoying themselves. And the thing about the thing, you know, African religions are many and different, but if you know anything about Celtic witchcraft, at least, you know, we should have have a harvest where people, you really do do all that. <laughs> so the white, the, the white people got no room to talk. Fucking Beltane. Because their ancestors were actually doing that. <laughs> Ejaculate on the ground. Thank Hello. Mother Earth. Like, what? I'm not doing that. Hello. You are if you're going to celebrate Beltane. Ugh, yeah. Does Beltane know? Does he know? Does he know what he's named after? Um, good question. But, you know, like... It's, it'd be worse if he knew and then also knew he can't do anything because, you know, he's fucking fixed. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that, I hope our cat is blissfully ignorant. <laughs> Mercury's over here being Mercury. Beltane's over here being like, you know what? Mercury, the god that gives us issues on Wednesday anytime we record on uh- Wednesday planet that rules over Gemini, the bane of my existence. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you Virgos, y'all are chill. I don't know about you Geminis, though. <laughs> so, in July of 1869, a local news column reported, June is the time devoted by the voodoo worshippers to the celebration of their most sacred and therefore most revolting rites. Just a moment of silence. Let that... Just sad. The writer goes on to describe midnight dances, bathing and eating together with less innocent pleasures. They couldn't even say it. Say it. Say what you think since you're out of pocket. (laughs) Just mad. Like, (laughs) you really think people are fucking outside? They could be, but, like, I don't think so. Hmm. Outside, like in the middle of the square. I don't know about all that much. Like, damn, people can't do nothing. <laughs> like, cover your eyes and walk on, sir. Damn. <laughs> cover your eyes. 
There is an interesting little mention in the article where the writer announces the retirement of Marie Laveau. He refers to her reign as the voodoo queen for the... For, ooh, I just got a Creole accent for a second. <laughs> the voodoo queen for a quarter of a century. That's a long time. Yeah. She just lived forever. And good for her. I'm not even to her death. Like, I'm not even there yet. <laughs> so today, the celebration of St. John's Eve is still alive and revered. It takes place on Bayou Street. Bayou, Bayou, Bayou St. John? Bayou Street, John? If that's a street, then that, that ST takes on a whole new meaning. But <laughs> if you live there, you know. Don't tell, don't tell me. I don't live there. <laughs> In New Orleans, and brings together the practicing voodoo community as well as those with respectful curiosity. I'd go. Honestly. Let me go. You I've will only find been everyone Street. dressed in white and following the lead of local voodoo priestess. Sally Ann Glassman. Sally or Sally? Does she say it special? There's two L's. Mm. I mean no disrespect. I'm literally asking. <laughs> <laughs> Doing their best to make Marie. Also, I don't know when that article was written, so if she's not the local voodoo priestess anymore, uh, I didn't write it. And I don't know what it was written. So, no disrespect. About 1875, Marie Laveau gave her final performance and announced she was retiring to her home on peaceful St. Anne Street in the Old Quarter. Wow, it, at 1875, it was the old quarter? Mm. What happened? What happened in that span of time? New Orleans history is interesting. But she never completely retired. She continued her work. And it said that she was active visiting the poor and imprisoned and still gave readings in her home. On June 15, 1881, Marie Laveau died peacefully in her cottage on St. Anne Street, just a few months shy of her 80th birthday. New Orleans cemetery records prove that she was interred in the Widow Paris tomb in St. Louis, or St. Louis, number one cemetery. So Marie Laveau's tomb is the most visited tomb in all of New Orleans cemeteries. Unfortunately, not all visitors are respectful, and there have been countless acts of vandalism to her tomb. The defacing of her tomb became such an issue that the archdiocese? Yeah, okay. I've never seen this word before. But the archdiocese and New Orleans Catholic Cemeteries, or the NOCC, no longer allow tourists to enter St. Louis Number 1 Cemetery without a licensed tour guide who holds a permit from the NOCC. I'd like to say this is an interesting thing that is like, I don't know why humans do this. Why do we show reverence by defacing? And I do mean reverence because one of my beloveds, Miss Marilyn Monroe, her grave is also defaced a lot. Women will go there and, like, leave kiss prints on it. Which, 
in simple layman terms, you think, well, I go, okay, that's fine. It's still defacing. So I don't know why humans choose to show reverence by like leaving a mark on something. Very much like a dog pissing on a tree and saying, that's mine. Yeah. I was just thinking because they do it to like Edgar Allan Poe, or they used to, to Edgar Allan Poe's grave too. Why say that you let, they do it to um, John Morrison's grave in France, in Paris too. Just why? They used to. Yeah, I know. It's like if if you're saying you love this thing or this person, why do that? And if you don't love that thing or that person, why visit in the first place? Yeah. Anyway. So if we listen to the tour guides on ghost tours or voodoo tours, then we are excitedly led to believe that Marie Laveau is, was indeed a voodoo queen and that her ghost still roams her cottage on St. Anne and has even been sighted at her tomb. The only record, the only recorded truth to any of those stories is that she's indeed that she did indeed live and she did indeed die in her St. Anne cottage, which was demolished in 1905. I lied to you. I I did write down what happened to it. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> of course, if you believe in ghosts, then you ain't even hearing on that. In somebody of her power and magnitude, if ghosts are real, she is absolutely a ghost. If she wanted to be. Just for sure, for sure. Fair enough. But, like, somebody of her power, like, if anybody's a ghost, she's probably a ghost. (laughs) You don't die with that kind of magical power and then just go. (laughs) She probably comes back a lot. Like, what's happening? She's like, gotta go check on my children. Oh, man. Somebody's fucking things up again. Okay. Who did this to my grave? (laughs) Somebody, can you get some service around here? Where is the manager? Can I get a waffle? (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) So, of course, you all may know, countless songs have been written about her. She has inspired movies. She was a character in American Horror Story. She was, and she was a bad bitch. Yes. (laughs) I always wonder how many people play witches or play these characters and then actually choose that path. Because if I were Angela Bassett after playing Marie Laveau, I would. But you know what? This is my life now. Would have gotten into I am this. Like, <laughs> I just, uh, crazy. Also, personally, the two best seasons of American Horror Story. Yes. Cupman and Apocalypse. Don't at me, because I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> But I like witchy stuff. Yeah. So. It's full agreement here anyway. So, basically going by the obituaries that were written about her, she was known as a healer and a philanthropist. She was a woman who nursed the fortunate souls. No, not fortunate. Unfortunate. It is not fortunate to have yellow fever. (laughs) Excuse me. <laughs> she would nurse the unfortunate souls stricken by yellow fever back to hell. Or maybe not hell. <laughs> she would minister prisoners in prison. She went to Catholic Mass daily. Maybe she is still, honestly, 
still a little even bit up in the air, even if she practiced voodoo. We're just going to go with the fact that she did. Okay? Not all of these people, well, okay, all of these people can be liars, but I'm just going to give the benefit of the doubt and say not all of these people can be liars. <laughs> you do, but that is the thing, as we've seen in these newspaper articles and snippets, you do anything slightly weird, and people just got a lot to say. Right. People don't know how to mind their own fucking business. We don't even know how much of that she did or didn't do. She could have done one of those things and it's just off to the races. We will never know. And that's okay. Because apparently she herself was a bit of a private woman. So that is more just she didn't want us to know. And I'll respect that. Which very sounds very much like a Catholic, to be honest. Yeah. We don't spill the secrets. We keep the secrets. <laughs> so, lastly, what I have is that, according to legend, one of her surviving daughters became her successor, popularly known as Marie II. Her elder daughter, not eldest, but her elder <laughs> daughter, whatever, Marie Helois, that's how I'm going to say it. Okay. I'm not even going to say the other name. But Marie Helois, <laughs> Gavion, died in 1862, so she couldn't have been Marie II. Her other daughter, who I have mentioned, was her mother's caregiver during her old age and continued to live with her adult children in the cottage on St. Anne Street until her own death in 1897. There is some contingency that is, like, it, they're saying it is unlikely that she assumed the leadership of the Voodoo community. Interviews with those who had known her indicate that she was a rigidly proper Catholic matron who had no association with Voodoo. So the identity of Marie II, if she existed at all, remains a mystery. Just like the women the woman who inspired it. Just like Marie Laveau herself. Mm -hmm. We don't know shit about her. We don't know shit about Marie II. And honestly, I feel like there's they want it that way. Honestly. Maybe we should stop digging. You know what? I'm going to end this podcast. Maybe we should stop digging. <laughs> like, maybe there's a reason that we don't know anything. I'm not saying you're going to get cursed. I'm implying it. <laughs> <laughs> Just may, you know, maybe not even cursed by her, but maybe she just knew something. Maybe there's a, maybe there's, she's, maybe she's keeping it from us to this day. But that is the infamous, or famous, she doesn't even have to be infamous if you like her, Marie Laveau. Yeah, less Very much made me want to look into voodoo again. Mm -hmm. I do not know what kind of black I am, so I'm not going to practice. But it definitely made me want to do the research again. Yeah. Anytime we do anything voodoo, I'm just like, it's just interesting, bro. It really is. <laughs> like, I love the whole, like, like the whole island um, religion standpoint. Like, because I'm talking about, like, Cuba and Haiti and Puerto Rico, like, all yeah. of them. And no, you got lucky. Your mom told you that they're, you, you're part of Sanfidia. It's like, wow, you got you got a special. Well, I mean, we actually like, have one. Um, like, 
when you were talking about it, like a lot of the stuff that goes into Santeria also goes into Voodoo because you know yeah. they're like cousins. They're all from the well. They're all practice. The, 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 the people were the same. Yeah, they're all it, African slaves. So a lot of that stuff is just going to be similar. Yeah, but like it just seems especially especially to like. Like, these are the people who, like, visited New Orleans. I mean, if you stayed where you are, it's going to stay what it is. If you didn't leave Cuba, that's what it is, right? Yeah. They le- like, they they left and went to New Orleans, assumingly you would call it something else and, you know, take on what you found there. Yeah. A lot of French Catholics. So, well, I mean, it shifts and changes. And it's really interesting. I mean, even in Santeria, a lot of, um, there's a lot of, catholic influence so that they could practice still you know just like with voodoo to make it a little bit more like palatable for the non-practitioners but it i I just i just enjoy the whole like how things relate to each other kind of aspect of it of course and i didn't even touch on any of her reverence because, as you touched on before, we started recording that she is in that that uh, uh, the, the book you have, right? And uh, when I looked her up on the Wikipedia, it does have you know what you could put on an altar to her and what have you. But I didn't write any of that down because I wanted to focus more on the person that was alive, yeah, rather than the person that's dead. <laughs> but if you're interested in that, she is a saint that you can build an altar to and ask for guidance yeah if you go to like if you travel to new orleans there's um at least where i went because i walked down bourbon street and around that area pretty much if you walk into a voodoo shop you're going to see a lot of the same altars like not the same but to the same like deities and really really Marie Laveau is one of those deities you'll see an altar to in almost all those shops. It's I thought it was really interesting. So what do you have? Oh, hold on. <laughs> I was I'm still like going ham. I'm like halfway through my ball of yarn now, and I started with a new one before we started this. Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, I will say because we also touched on this before recording, that she is, or, well, and we also touched on it, she is one of those deities you can pray to for motherhood and childhood. Right. Fertility. That is definitely something she is revered for. If you were to be building, like, a fertility altar, you could put her on there. Yeah. Yes. Could you imagine? Like, I obviously know why you, you do, like, individual altars to specific deities like that could you imagine doing like an altar for a specific thing and then putting everybody on there bro the power like love and then you put just a million different deities on it no seriously it catches like could you imagine remember when we would set up our altars and sometimes yours would be hot as hell could you imagine how hot that one would be you walk (laughs) by it it would be like an inferno you're like what the fuck (laughs) It's like cold in the room, but scalding over here mm-hmm. at the altar. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Moving on from the good old Marie Laveau, I am going to be 
ending my basic witch kind of segment <laughs> with <laughs> the common tools that you're going to find in witchcraft. And while I'm saying that these are common tools, I'll preface by also saying that one, they don't have to be fancy or expensive to be ceremonial a ceremonial tool. They just should be exclusively for your craft. Um, so you can like go anywhere there, like find nice things. So you can get like gold painted knives from Target. Of course, it's fake gold. Anyway, gold painted knives at Target for like your athame and um, or like pretty silverware from Goodwill or a nice bowl, so on and so forth. Uh, two, you don't need any of these things to practice your craft. Your craft comes from within, and while it's nice to have them to help direct and manipulate your energy or to get your mind to focus on the task at hand, you can practice without them. So, what are some of the common tools I'm talking about today? So, the cauldron, which is basically a heat-safe item that can be used to burn incense, cook ceremonial food, or simply hold water. I use mine for incense mostly, um, but I also have used it to burn sigils. For this, instead of pouring out money into like a mortar cauldron or a copper pot, you can repurpose maybe a normal pot or a teapot that no one uses at home. The next thing is a mortar and pestle, which is just good to have if you're into herbalism or cooking. So this is used for crushing herbs and other ingredients. And you might be able to find a cheaper one at Goodwill, or maybe you can use like a rolling pin and a plastic bag to crush your herbs. Like you don't need this special, specially made thing to crush your herbs. There's other ways to do them. And then you have a wand, which is used to direct energy, summon spirits, and consecrate other tools. That's what I've seen. <laughs> That's what I read about today. But um, mostly, I just know that you use a wand to direct your energy. And wands that you get in stores can be cool, but just like everything else, they can get expensive. So you can make your own, <laughs> turn it into arts and crafts time. Or you can just go outside and pick up a, a stick that feels correct for the thing you're doing that day. Like, it, like I said, it doesn't have to be fucking fancy. It can be anything you want it to be. Including, like, a stone that's kind of straight, uh, like a straightish shape that you have that you could use. I don't have any wands, but I'm just saying. And then your broom or besom which this is used to spiritually or energetically clean your space. And if you have a besom, you can hang it over your door to ward off evil. I made one when I was in Pensacola, and it was a lot of fun. And it was also really simple. Obviously, I couldn't bring, to, bring it to Japan, but I wish I could have. Um, it's, like I said, it's super simple to make and to decorate. All you need is, like, a dried-out tree branch. Those fall, or you can cut them off of a tree that says, yeah, you can take this from me. Um, and you can decorate it with ribbon or wire or whatever you want to decorate it with. Or you can just buy one at the store. It doesn't have to be, like I said, it doesn't have to be special. It doesn't have to look a specific way. 
It just has to do the thing that you want it to do. It's all about intent. I'm going back to intent. <laughs> I wanted to use mine for a floor sweep, but I didn't get a chance to. So, because I didn't have all the stuff that I needed when I was in Florida, and then I went home, and that's all carpet. So, yeah. Anyway. And then you have chests or boxes. And this is, they're, they're just storage containers. This is storage containers for your magical stuff. Um, you can go to Dollar Tree, Dollar General, thrift stores, or any other place that does, like, simple cheap stuff and find a whole bunch of options. And if you don't have anything at home, like, they sell plastic boxes, they sell uh, cardboard boxes that have pretty colorings on the outside, like, it's easy to find something at one of these stores. And you don't have to pay 20 bucks for a box that's essentially just a cardboard box, but it's nice on the outside. Or you don't have to pour, I like... I paid one whole dollar. <laughs> yeah. Or you don't have... You, I bought mine and then painted them myself. Yeah. Or you don't have and to, yours. like, do 50 bucks for an ornate box. You can find stuff at, like, Goodwill that's nice and it'll be, like... $10 for something that used to be really expensive. If you're buying stuff at Goodwill, though, make sure you, like, cleanse it because you don't want to be taking nobody home. And we make sure you literally cleanse it. Yeah. Like, literally wash it with soap. Also, <laughs> spiritually Sun. and literally, please. Please. You don't know what people do. People are weird. <laughs> Honestly. I don't know how many people touched that before you got there. Honestly. Also, on top of that, if you have, like, a spare cardboard box lying around, there's things on, like, Pinterest and YouTube how to change, like, make those into cute little, like, a chest of drawers. There, there's ways to do that. You just got to get crafty. <laughs> I literally bought you and me wooden boxes, painted them, covered them both in glitter, and called it a day. Yeah. <laughs> it's super simple. Um... The next they make thing, great gifts. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> the next thing is divination tools. So tarot cards, oracle cards, runes, crystal balls, scrying mirrors, dowsing rods, etc. The list goes on. There's a million. Uh, some of these are harder to make, but they're meant to help with decision making and like the sequence of events. Also talking to your spirits or deities. So you can write on note cards, like uh, flashcards, to make your own tarot or oracle deck with your own pictures. You don't even have to draw pictures on them. You can just write on them. Still works. Or draw runes on stones that you find outside that you really like. Um, or fill, like, a dark bowl with water. Or use your mirror to scry. Like, your bathroom mirror. They don't have to be fancy. They don't have to have a specific use. Um, for these ones, so household items work work fine for this kind of stuff. And like like I said, you can make your own tarot or oracle decks. Like Ryan did one for My Hero Academia. I've done one. Am working on one for the Raven Cycle still because I haven't finished it. I also did DC characters. There you go. Another one. We're not nerds. <laughs> We're not nerds, no. We're never. not nerds at all. No. The next thing is 
jars and containers, specifically glass containers. And again, this is just another thing to store items, especially like liquids. So it's good if you're making salves or tinctures, like herbalism stuff. So recycle, recycle, recycle. You use a lot of different kinds of glass jars and usually people just throw them out when they're done with them, but reuse them, clean them out, clean them out good, and then do whatever you need to with them. And that goes for not only food jars, but like baby food jars or candle jars. It's all the same. It's all glass at the end of the day. And then crystals and stones. You can't make these, but <laughs> these are used in rituals and spells or on your own body for their energy. Again, they're not particularly necessary, but they're pretty to have. That being said, you can go outside and pick up a rock that feels nice and use it for whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> of course, like, if you go out and you buy crystals, you know its exact use, like, what the energy it's supposed to bring into the spell or whatever. But something that you find outside, it really just depends on what you feel like it's going to be good for, for, for. It's your intuition yes. coming in on this one. And then you have your athame, which is usually a dull blade because it's not used for physical damage, but to do things energetically, so power separation, casting spells, directing energy, etc., etc. Honestly, you can use a typical kitchen knife or a folding knife, or a pocket knife if you want. It doesn't have to be fancy. I will keep saying it. It doesn't have to cost a lot. It doesn't have, it doesn't have to cost anything. You can just have it at your home. Just remember, set it aside. You're going to want it to use it only for this thing instead of using it for mundane uses as well. Next, and the last thing that I have is your grimoire, which is, I'm, I'm going to separate these two, but they're still going to be, like, together. So you have your grimoire, which is a spell book, a textbook, a magical textbook, so on and so forth. That's what a grimoire is supposed to meant to be have. That sentence didn't come out like it was supposed to. But grimoires are like your magical textbook. Book of Shadows is basically your magical diary, so your journey with witchcraft. Your notebook or journal, whatever you're using, does not have to cost $30. It can come from the Dollar Tree. We've done it, both me and Ryan, we've both done it. Um, it can be loose leaf paper in a binder. It can be napkins for all I fucking care. As long as it's good for you, that's all that matters. Mine cost $9. I don't remember how much this one cost. I think mine cost around $10, too. I got it from Barnes & Noble. Same. It's cute. It has Minnie and Mickey on it. So literally, it doesn't have to look specific. It doesn't have to have the world tree on it. It doesn't have to have Celtic knots on it. It doesn't have to have 
a, a pentacle on it. It can literally have whatever the fuck you want. It's just a notebook. A notebook for I fully you to return to. intend to cover to. this one in stickers. A. <laughs> fully intend. Love a good sticker. But that's what I have for your common tools. And before I finish this, because I did see something while I was wandering around that said, like, have a calendar to follow the Sabbaths. And I'm going to say this, that's Wicca, not witchcraft. You don't have to follow the Sabbaths. I think Ryan said it earlier, too. You don't have to follow the Sabbaths if you choose not to. That's a Wiccan practice. And yes, it does bleed into a lot of other things, but it's not something you're required to do. Nothing you do as a witch is a requirement. It's just something that people have done over long periods of time and it's become kind of the norm. But it doesn't, you don't have to do it. And that's it. That's my TED Talk. <laughs> what kind of media do you bring us today? Well, even though I already just brought up American Horror Story, I thought doing all this research, it reminded me of Tia Dalma slash Calypso from Pirates of the Caribbean. Ah. Because honestly, when I think voodoo, I think of her. Honestly, I thought you were going to start talking about the, um, like, Nyx from Sinbad. I don't, that's not her name. I think her name is actually Calypso in Sinbad also, but, you know, the Dark Witch. No, I know, I know who you're talking about. Her name is literally right in my fucking face. <laughs> oh no, she's she's Eris. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what though? I love her too. Yeah, she's a bad. I literally have her saved in my Pinterest board. <laughs> <laughs> but back to the Pirates of the Caribbean instead. <laughs> but Pirates of the Caribbean. I feel like that's doing all this research. In fact, I started looking up snippets from the movies because I just really wanted to watch the movies again because I was like, why is that such a good character? Like, I'm just sitting here being like, I loved her. Can I be her? <laughs> I wanted to be her. Especially because, to end this, because it's the end of Black History Month, we just have to say it, a lot of witches and a lot of witch media, they're white. Yeah. There's one in the craft, one of those characters is black, and Miss Angela Bassett played Marie Laveau in American Horror Story, but I'll say this, for women of color to be continuously damned for doing witchcraft, we are never seen as witches. Not to say... Other women don't ever get accused of being a witch because Salem happened. I'm not ignorant. <laughs> which also men died during that as well. Is, yeah. Mm. So not even just women. Let's 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 can we just normalize telling the truth? <sighs> men died during that too, and they were accused of being witches, which is crazy. Men, they turned on themselves. But they were so anyway. scared. Of witches that they turned on themselves to. Like, it wasn't even just the women, just the strong women. There were plenty of dudes who got murdered for being witches, too, and that's insane. 
anyway, but a lot of media, comic books, TV shows, movies, what have you, which is art of a pale variety. But I feel like Pirates of the Caribbean was one of the first times that I saw an islander. Because, you know, it's Pirates of the Caribbean, and it's the Caribbean. Yeah. So, duh. But, like, obviously, she, well, first of all, she herself is a deity that you find out. Spoiler. At the end. Why she's called Calypso. <laughs> but, it's like, it just, it's just like this, this is, that was my person as a kid. It's like, I want to be that. Can I be that? <laughs> I mean, everything else is fine, but I want, hello? Yeah. This one. Also... Let's be real, she's kind of very close to what, what, like, witches do nowadays. Like, we find stuff on the ground, we're like, yes, that. And the whole jar of dirt thing, that's the thing I'm running say, through my head right now. just him a jar of dirt. And she's one of the first people to, well, not one of the first, but she does talk about intention because he said, does it work? And she said, if you don't want it, give it back. And he said, no. And she said, then it works. <laughs> right. So if you have to believe that something's going to work, if you don't believe it, it is not going to work. No, literally. Actual true witchcraft. Sometimes you watch these shows and they're not actually doing much <laughs> that we would actually do. Just like anything in the media. Right. They lie about everything. <laughs> <laughs> you would know. There's plenty of like military movies where you're like, no. Oh my God, honestly. You feel that we feel that way about every high school show. It's like that's not how high school is like at all, but okay. God, I wish that's what high school were like. Uh, seriously. But there's plenty of snippets for this character where she is straight up doing witchcraft, honestly. Yeah. Authentically. But then, if you have any interest in. Mm, Maybe stuff that doesn't really get talked about, especially because we're not in the 1800s anymore. I just got a big reminder of, like, how good Pride of the Caribbean is, because you have Davy Jones and all of that, and his beating heart in a box, and you have the Black Spot, and you have a ghost ship, and you have... <laughs> <laughs> there's a Kraken. Good shit. They go to the place where people die. You have ghosts. You have an actual strong female character that is not a damsel. But at the same time, Elizabeth wears corsets and doesn't turn into a dude. Yeah. She's still a woman. They get married on a pirate ship. Their romance is actually authentic. It's not like, oh, I guess I have to be with this dude. No, it was her and Will beginning to end and the whole time it was like, this one. I ain't even looking at the rest of y'all. And in fact, the movies actually showed multiple pirates of color. And multiple female pirates of color. Yes. Also, pirates do not believe in ableism because a lot of them are missing eyes and limbs and what does that matter? You have a lot of magic is in like the whole crew that's you know, part of the ship, and you have the first in the first movie, the crew that turns into skeletons and can't die. It's just magic, but in a way that doesn't seem fake. Yeah. Which sounds weird, but yeah. 
The cursed piece of treasure that Will walks around with for fucking ever. That makes that sound. And, and then you have mermaids in the later movies. And actual authentic mermaids is in mermaids that are trying to kill you. Because yeah, that, that is what mermaids used to do. <laughs> some myths. Some myths don't. Some myths say they don't. But <laughs> most some mythologies, yes, they are absolutely trying to. Most most of them, they're trying to fucking yeet you. Drown yeah. in the fucking ocean. Mermaids are fucking scary. Anyway. They are terrifying. And I had a span of time where I kept dreaming about mermaids, and that was weird. Oh. <laughs> well, then. Oh, and let me tell you, that's not a good omen if you're dreaming about mermaids. I googled it. It's a bad omen. I'm like, oh. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> no, literally, it was like, well, Damn. And then you have a lot of characters. First of all, it's a good history lesson because you learn about Britain and their tyranny. But then you have a lot of characters that are morally gray, but for the right reason, specifically Jack Sparrow. Because he's painted a specific way, but more often than not, like, I've actually looked into the lore of his character and it was like, wow, everything he did was actually for the greater good. But you would never know that. And nobody paints him that way. It's interesting. Interesting. Interesting to say the least. And you have a magical curse, which is what Calypso is doing. Right. Also, you see her when she turns into crabs at the end of that movie. It's because Calypso is actually, that is one of the forms she's known to take. So it's actually authentic. There's Creole in the movie. It's just good. Yeah. The trilogy is good. The other movies... They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but The Curse of the Black Pearl, uh, Dead Man's Chest, and At World's End, great. Good shit, good shit. It's good shit. It's well done shit. Yes. It's good shit. Agreements. And you get to learn a little bit of voodoo. A little bit, though. Not a lot. Oh, she has that shrunken head. Oh, it's good. my God, yeah. <laughs> good it's all good it's good it also made me miss disneyland a lot oh yeah because all i wanted was to get on the ride and the ride has very louisiana vibes it does very louisiana bayou we're gonna get eaten by an alligator vibes yes (laughs) i'd like to you know what uh talking about louisiana and bayous um what would be really interesting would be for them to like, include an Easter egg from uh, Princess and the Frog? Yes. That one? That, that would one. be really cool. That was my other option, since this is about voodoo. I was going to... it did, Doing this research of Marie Laveau really made me want to watch Princess and the Frog again. Right. Because you have the voodoo king, and then the you have man. the hoodoo queen. It's like, you get both. I know. It's like, you have the... the we have the voodoo man, and... All his spirits and... Oh. His shrunken head stuff. <laughs> I know, I was about to say, that's... But I like how the the whole spell actually reminds me of what Ursula does to Ariel. Yeah. Every time I see that, I'm just like, it's very... Yeah. It's very similar. I enjoy it. Very... Yeah. Very we're not beautiful. talking about that, though. Pirates of the Caribbean, but... <laughs> Princess... You know, Disney... Disney just does good voodoo. Yeah. Do they got witches there? Are there <laughs> witches who work for Disney? 
they're like, they get the script, they're like, nah, this all has to change. But why? Because you're misrepresenting me. <laughs> like, hey, can we put voodoo in this? Again. Again. Louise, yes. listen. <laughs> no, you listen, Jared. No, you listen, Jamal. <laughs> I'm putting the voodoo in there. <laughs> Uh, um, what media do you have? I am talking about Stardust, which... Yes! Yes. I'm talking about the movie specifically, but there is a book by Neil Gaiman. I have not read it. I've heard that I it's haven't good. I haven't ha- I've had every intention of doing that, but... Yeah, I've had every intention of doing it, but it's like the same thing with um, the book that Howl's Moving Castle was based off of. Like... Yes, I want to watch it, but I love the movie so much that I don't want to ruin the movie. Or I don't want to ruin yeah. the book. I feel that. But anyways, I bring Stardust because if you don't know, there are a lot of witches in Stardust. And on top of that, you have a star that falls from the sky. She's a falling star. She's uh, if she had fallen on the human side of the wall, she would have been Stardust. If she, But she fell on the magical side of the wall, which makes her, she becomes personified. All, According to her, all of the stars in the sky are people. She just happened to fall because um, the fucking king's necklace goes and knocks her out of the motherfucking sky. Because he's an asshole. He's a dead asshole, but he's an asshole. And anyways, this movie has, like, it has a lot of magical aspects to it. Some of them are fantastical magical aspects, like the star being personified when she falls. And, um, like, one of the witches turns two people into goats, so on and so forth. There's like, fictional magical aspects to it. There's also non-fictional magical aspects. Like, they use runes to give them answers. Um, They use stones for specific things. Can't specifically remember what they are right now. But they do use stones. Uh, Tristan, which is the main character, his mother left him a flower that protects him while he's in the magical side of the world. It's, um, it's the, the flower is specifically meant for protection. Also, they use candle magic, so on and so forth. But the main thing that it makes, like, Stardust makes me remember and think of is the fact that they use augury, which super, a little bit gross, super gross, but they kill a ferret. And they use its entrails to divine where the star fell, what's happening, uh, what's going to happen to her, so on and so forth. Which is something that people used to do. It All in all, it's a good piece of cinema. <laughs> and you get both realistic magic and non-realistic magic out of it. And I enjoy it. It is a good movie. Right. And 
If you don't know anything about Stardust, the whole point of Stardust is that Tristan Thorne, the main character, was born, not born, he lived on the human side of the wall for 18 years of his life, and then the woman he fell in love with told him, you need to go get that star, because they watched the star fall, you need to go find that star, and when you come back with it, then I will marry you. So he goes out on this journey to bring back the star, uh, Yvain, I think is what her name is, to bring her back as a present for Victoria. In the end, we obviously know how these things go. <laughs> Doesn't make it any less good. So he travels over to the magical side of the world, and he gets into a bunch of trouble. He goes on a pirate ship. So on and so forth. It's good shit. Watch it. Enjoy it. Have some popcorn. And enjoy the magic. We're, we're going to end up being... I said before we started recording, talking, going on a whole synopsis about Alan Moore in Neil Gaiman. I'm like, you know what? But that's going to be us. Because that's all they do is write religiously-based things and magic-based things. And they do their due diligence about it. And I'm like, we're going to be them. Oh, God. I that's going to so. be us. I want to. It's going to be us. Like, it's just like every time they write something that's magically based or religiously based, it's like there's some fiction because it's fiction and there's some actual factual because clearly they both are interested. Yeah. I'm just like, that's, that's going to be us. Good. Good shit. Good shit. Also, Neil Gaiman just writes well. That's, that's true. That's fair. And luckily, whenever they make his writing on TV, it, it does well. Yeah, it translates Stardust well. Stardust is a great movie. I mean, even Good Omens, they basically translated yeah, it almost great. word for word from the book, so. Seriously. And Ameri- well, I've never seen American Gods, but I've heard it's gotten a lot of praise, so. Yeah. Same. Just good. Oh, Coraline. Oh, oh, man. First of all, Neil Gaiman. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> You know, we talk about Tim Burton being our childhood, but honestly, Neil Gaiman has just been like a ghost. Like, he's made so much stuff that you don't even know is his. Honestly. But I've seen it all. (laughs) (laughs) The truth. So, if you would like to hear more from the two of us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. If you look up Mixed Witches Podcast, we will pop up. You can also shoot us an email, mixwitchespodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Society6, which is also at mixedwitchespodcast. And we just launched our website, which is mixedwitchespodcast dot uh, squarespace dot com. <laughs> mixedwitchespodcast. Mixed there is not much on it, but. Yeah. You can find all of our episodes there. There's a. Um, embedded player that you can listen to all the socials there yeah we're hoping to start a blog yeah we're hoping to start up a blog on there too but just stand by for that we got to figure that out first it's admittedly just going to be a hodgepodge mess of whatever we want to put on there but mm -hmm. fair enough it's just like the podcast you right (laughs) you fucking right you know what (laughs) My sort of running list of all the media. You right. That'd be good. 
put that on there. More yeah. recipes or whatever we feel like. Whatever we you know, the world is your oyster. You're right. Oh man, that makes me really want to watch Stardust. <laughs> Damn it. Like, I, don't, I don't own Stardust. I have to find Stardust. Do I want to watch it now? I want to. I want to say it's on Netflix. I want to say. Don't. I think it was. It was. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. It, you know it, how Netflix is. Yeah, Netflix. <laughs> Bastards. Anyway. <laughs> I know. But talking about the Pirates of the Caribbean made me want to like. I was just looking at Disney Plus again because I don't have that. But of course, it's like it's one of those things where I'm like, I may entertain. And now I'm just like, well, now I really want to watch these movies. Just for a free trial. I know. <laughs> like, like, now I just want to watch the Pirates movies. Oh, my God. And we played the music in orchestra. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, it's good. I can still oh, hear it, too. <laughs> I know, man. Like, man. just see the cellos sawing away. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Oh, the nostalgia. Anyway, hope you guys got something. Hope you enjoyed the history lesson. Hope if you're you... from New Orleans, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry that for I the butchered fact... every French and Creole word. Sorry for the fact that we don't have cultured tongues. <laughs> yeah. but hope you have a good end to your february and we will see you next week bye bye all that they created we're chasing after that witch's brew damn 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 thinking more but doing less Score, but failing at the test, y'all Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn Chasing after that witch's brew You've got nothing better to do Cause y'all sailing down Easiest street again Damn X marks the spot Or is it O? Hiding, feeling so low Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn
desire Chasing after that witch's brew Dam, 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 dam Dreaming about paradise Play those cards, baby, roll those dice, y'all Chasing after that witch's brew Dam, 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 dam Start to go and then you stop cause you're sailing down Z Street again. Damn. Almost within reach, but out of your grasp. The last drop at the bottom of your glass, y'all. Chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn.